Everybody, welcome to Monday Night Bible Study. It's good to see you tonight. I'm glad to be here. It's been it's, uh, good to be back together again after a few weeks off, and uh, it's great to see you. You actually showed up again, and I'm glad. Yeah. So let's start our time in prayer, and then we will start our movement forward here into the Bible study. Heavenly Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for caring for us. Thanks for looking out for us. Thank you, God, for speaking to us and wanting to reveal yourself. So tonight we ask you that we'd have really just open ears and open eyes, an open heart and an open mind to receive of that revelation that you freely give. We want to know you more. We want to see more of you. We want to experience more of you. We ask God that tonight this would be a time where we could really take a step toward you. And we ask you that you would, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring revelation, understanding. I pray your anointing as your word goes forth. I pray that we have an anointing to receive and to hear. And I pray you give God more and more anointing to teach and to uh, take your word and place it in such a way that's easy to digest and understand. So have your way tonight. We ask you a blessing on our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need a Bible, uh, they're available up here on the tables, and you can feel free to take one. We're going to turn to Psalm 30, Psalm 30, and verse 5. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you that uh, we have a feature available for Monday Night Bible Study that comes to us through a website at www.speakpipe.com. It's a slash and then all one word Monday Night Bible Study. There you can toggle a button and leave us a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have something you'd like to share, maybe something God spoke to you, a guy did, or uh, it could be a question that came up, or maybe just a word of encouragement for us. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we had the opportunity to check our stats uh, for Monday Night Bible Study, and we are being listened to in a bunch of different countries and a bunch of different parts of the world, and so we're really thankful for that and thankful for the opportunity. I'll try at some point to get to some better statistics of actually who is tuning in and who's listening, but a lot more people than I figured, so we're glad you're listening, and if you want to communicate with us, uh, use the speak pipe option, and we'd love to hear from you. Who has Psalm 30 and verse 5? Please read that. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. All right, thanks for reading that. And uh, the interesting part of this verse and one of the reasons that I really want to take some time with it is because there's really uh, a big contrast that's drawn. If you look at the verse, they, they do it twice, and that's not uncommon in, in uh, the poetry of the Bible, that it's an emphasis on what the writer's trying to say, what, what God's trying to say to us through the writer, through the psalmist. But he talks about God's anger, and I think that's kind of interesting that if you think about who we are as people, we were created in God's image, right? And uh, there's two ways that we make a mistake when we think about that. One is we just completely forget about it, and God is this completely and utterly different being that exists somewhere out in the universe, and we are completely and utterly different than him, and we exist as his creation, but we don't, we're not related to him. Uh, so that's a mistake because that's not true. Uh, God and us are, we are related because we are created in his image. The second mistake that's made is when we make God exactly like us. And he's not, that's not true either. He's not exactly like us. So in between there, there is a God, a loving God who created us in his image and that we bear many of his traits, many of uh, the pieces of who he is. Uh, he is, on the other hand, an infinite being with many other characteristics and traits that we don't have and we, it's not possible for us to possess as finite beings. So he is more than we could ever be. 
And I hope that makes sense to you. But so he's not, we can't say he's just like us. Neither can we say that we're nothing like him. Because we are like him. And we do share things in common, but he is infinite in his nature, eternal in his nature, and so beyond what we can achieve in and of ourselves as his creation. Everybody understand what I'm saying? All right, so when the Bible speaks of God, it speaks of his, okay, his anger. Well, do we get angry? Yeah. All right, so that's an emotion that we share with God. Uh, We get angry. He gets angry. And so... Uh, kind of an interesting thing, though, is that this is one of the mistakes we make. When we get angry, sometimes we stay angry, don't we? Yeah. Like we hold a grudge. Like we're angry and we're going to hold a grudge and we're going to still be angry. And people do that for different reasons. Uh, when I was younger, I used to do that because it was the way I protected myself emotionally. That somebody would hurt me. And so I would be angry with them, and then I wouldn't stop being angry with them because I wouldn't give them the opportunity to hurt me again. And I learned that as a little kid, that I would just stay angry, and that way that person would not get that chance to hurt me again because I was going to be angry with them. So that's a common thing among people. that That's one way that we protect ourselves. So as we grow up and we mature... Hopefully, we leave behind those childish ways, and we move on to something better. The problem is, is that when we look at God, if we're still looking through that lens, we sometimes will apply that to him, because the word's the same. God's anger. Well, I get angry. What happens when I get angry? Well, I hold a grudge, and I'm angry for a really long time. And I'm going to hold that anger, and I'm going to keep that anger, and that's the way we do things. So God must do that, too. Well, that's a mistake. That's that first mistake, second mistake I was talking about earlier when we started, is that that's not true for him. That he's not worried about us hurting him. He's not concerned about that. And so he doesn't have the same reactions that we do. He doesn't have the same issues that we do. He doesn't do the things that we do in order to protect ourselves because he doesn't need to protect himself like that. So there's no reason for him to do that. So when the Bible talks about God's anger, we have to say, all right, well, How is that defined by him, not by me? I know it's the same word, but he's not me. And he's bigger and better than me. And so that that probably, likely means something to him that doesn't mean to me. And to allow that to be a possibility in our mindset, well, maybe this is something I don't know. Because it probably is something you don't know. Because when the Bible talks about God's joy or the Bible talks about God in, in all kinds of different traits and all kinds of different understandings of who he is, that likely we need to allow him to define what that means to us. And then we need to begin to define that emotion in ourselves, redefine it based on him. Right? That's how we mature. And so where we have an opportunity in these verses to redefine anger. Because anger, as it's being shown us here, is a lot different than our lives and the way that we experience anger in our lives. Or the way that we experience or that we express anger toward other people. And so there's something else that's going on here. Something else that God is showing us. Some other revelation that God is bringing into our life that maybe will be a good template for us to use to redefine what that should mean to us and what that can look like. And so this passage begins with God's anger, and it gives a descriptor of it. It says it lasts only a moment. It lasts only a moment. And I want to encourage you in general to not live in any moment. That, That we have opportunity every moment to leave behind that moment, whatever it is. And one of the things that I tried to teach my kids growing up is to leave behind the moments. That, that there are moments in our life that are going to be bad to us. They're, they're going to be negative. They're, they're going to be embarrassing. Or they're going to be hurtful. Or there's all kinds of things that can happen in those moments. 
And, and somehow, some way, we need to learn how to leave those behind. You know, for Garrett, it was his music. And the idea of, okay, you're playing a piece, you're playing a solo. And what happens if you mess up? What do you do? You keep going like it never happened. All right? That's what you do. You just keep moving. He knows he messed up. He knows he made a mistake. But you know what? 80% of the people, 90% of the people listening to the piece, they don't know he made a mistake. And he'll just keep going. They won't know. They'll never know. I mean, there's a few people that know. And you know what? They know enough to know that when they play a piece on their own, they make mistakes too, and they just keep going too. So the only people that really matter in the whole scenario, really, either you don't know or you do know, and you know what's going on, and you're approving of it. Because there's no other choice. The problem with getting stuck in a moment is this, is that it paralyzes you to go about and do your best. It really does. Like if you were playing a piece and you made a mistake like that, and what, are you going to quit? I mean, seriously, think about that. It could paralyze you from being your best. It could paralyze you from fulfilling what you stood up there to do in the first place. Because you get stuck in that moment. For Morgan, it was sports. Same thing. You're on the field. You do something wrong, and something bad happens. Well, play goes on. They're going to keep playing, especially in a team sport, man. People are going to keep going, all right? And what are you going to do, get stuck in that moment? Then you're really going to mess up, aren't you? How many more times are you going to mess up if you're stuck in a moment than if you leave that behind and you start playing in the moment now and now and now and now and you keep going in that moment? How much better are you going to be if you can do that? And you know what? If you didn't learn these skills as a little kid, it becomes more and more difficult as you get older. I'm not saying that to, to be uh, discouraging to you. I'm just saying that's how it goes. And so we need these skills. And one of those big skills is not to live in whatever the moment is. This verse, it, God's anger, lasts only a moment. I mean, it's speaking of a brevity that it is really short, such a small part of our life. And there it is. I mean, whatever that entails, whatever that looks like. I can't even tell you what that looks like. But it's only for a moment, a brief, short portion of our lives. And then it's over. Unless you choose to live there. Right? Unless you make it you. And yet, unless you make his anger your anger. Unless you decide, well, that was terrible, so that's where I'm going to live the rest of my life. Well, what I said about Garrett in his music, you'll never fulfill what you need to fulfill if you do that. Your best will never come out if you're just living in that moment. It's a real problem. Because on the other side, and I want you to think about this, on the other side of God's anger, it says God's favor. God's favor lasts for a whole lifetime. And I, and I want you to think about the type of person you are. Which do you major on? The moment or the whole life? I want you to think about that. All right? And I, I, I can relate to either side of that because I'm, I'm a real detail-oriented person. And, and I pick out mistakes, really. I mean, it's just part of my nature. And I have to control that in my life. All right? It would be great if I was a proofreader. I'm not. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I'd score off the scale if I was that. Or if I was, you know, some type of quality control or something like that, I might be really good at it. But for most of my life, for the vast majority of my life, it doesn't serve me well at all. It doesn't serve me well at all to, to, to fixate on the mistake, to fixate on the problem. And, and if you're that type of a person, you've got to fight that. His anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a whole lifetime. Perpetuity. In other words, it just keeps going. That's how it exists. That's how it, we, we experience it. It just keeps going and keeps going. It's substantial and it's durable. That's what makes it awesome. 
His favor is a whole life, whole lifetime. His anger is a moment. Can you understand why concentrating on the moment makes you miss the lifetime of favor? Do you get it? And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, this is really obvious. Is it? Is it really that obvious? I'd probably be out of a job if it was that obvious. Really? And I know when I'm saying it, it seems obvious, but the way we live our lives, I want to encourage you to really enter into that and to leave behind the, the, the fixation on the moment, the, the fixation on that, that brief, short, single, small part of our life and really move into the rest of your life, the whole lifetime of favor that God has for you. The writer of the psalm wanted you to get it. He wanted you to get the idea. And the idea is what I've just been talking about is that is there's a moment, yeah, but there's a whole lifetime of good. Lifetime. You think about the writers of the Psalms. and I mean, David, did he have moments in his life that were terrible? He sure did. He had moments in his life that were horrible. He chose not to live in those moments, though. He chose to live in the lifetime of favor that God showed him. I mean, when his son died, I mean, was that a horrible moment? Yeah. It's a horrible moment. But he, he, he stepped back into, I mean, his, he prayed for his son. He believed God for his son. His son passed away. He mourned his son. And he stepped back into his life. God's favor. And he had many, many sons and daughters and children and grandchildren and many generations that came after him because God's favor was reflected in his life, not in the moment. And then he said sadness. He goes back to our responses to things. And, and, but he shares the same idea again. He says our sadness lasts for a night. And that could be a weary night. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you've ever cried yourself through a night, you know that can be really tiring and really weary. But, his sad, but sadness, our sadness lasts only for a night. In other words, it's, it's, it's leaving. It's, it's, it's transitory. And, and the way that the second part of the verse is written, where he talks about sadness and he's going to talk about joy in a second, they're personified. In the language, they're treated like people. And so I want you to, if you think of them as people, sadness and joy are personified in this. They're, they're guests at our house. They lodge with us. That's, that's the, the picture, the word picture that we get here in the psalm. And so we've got sadness and joy, Mr. Sadness, Mr. Joy, whatever. And, and they're going to come and they're going to stay. And it talks about one guest. And you can imagine sadness. He's, okay, he's robed in a dark robe. He's approaching at night. That's where he stays. But he's only there one night because he's moving on. So he's going to lodge with us for just one night. He's going to lodge with us just for one short time, a guest that comes into our house. But then it describes the other guest as being our joy, as bright and fresh and sunny, like an awesome sunrise. And so there's our guest joy that comes to dwell with us. Now I want you to think about the proportions here. Uh, and I know we've got kind of weird weather here, but summers are nice. And I want you to think about like sunny days. Like, like sunny days that come, long summer days, and they are long. I mean, like we live in a part of the country where, I mean, it's, it's sunny when you get up in the morning, and man, it's sunny late at night. I mean... You still see the sun at 9 o'clock at night. I know that's hard to remember this time of year because we turned on the outside light here at 3 o'clock this afternoon because it was dark outside. But, I mean, it, the sun will be up until then. But I want you to think about it. It's like, okay, well, there's, there's always those days where you get well, like a thunderstorm that just rolls through. 
And, and that, it might be violent, it might be loud, it, it might be whatever you think it was, but a thunderstorm. But it's short compared to the rest of the day. And that thunderstorm, that should not define that beautiful sunny day. That it comes in, it rolls in, there's, there's whatever it's going to do, and then it rolls out, and that's it. That doesn't mean the day was full of thunderstorms. It meant the day was sunny all day, and there was one moment when there was a thunderstorm, and it passed. And so the idea behind these people that are coming to visit is, is that sadness, the sadness is the visitor that just shows up at night, stays, and then heads out in the morning. But you got joy that comes and stays. You see, not saying sadness doesn't come, but joy, he, he lives there. He's not just passing through like a, like a, a bum, you know, that, that just passes through and goes to the next town or something. Joy stays. Joy stays, but sadness is the one that comes and goes. And, and I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to, to share with you tonight is that I think we got it mixed up. And I think for whatever reasons in our mind, we allow these two things to get really mixed up in us. And it's not just our generation, it's not just us as people, but I mean, I think the psalmist is really reminding people too that this is the case. That we tend to get it mixed up because we fixate on the wrong thing. That's a real problem. Somebody look at Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, verses 7 and 8. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In the surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. All right, so as you look at that, now Isaiah was writing to people that, I mean, they were about to be carried off. There are people that have turned their back on God completely. There are people that were just doing what they wanted to do. They had been sent prophets to warn them. They had been warned over and over again. They want to hear it. And they just made their decision. We're going to do what we want to do. God's not going to care. And we're just going to go about whatever we're going to go about. That was their decision that they made. And so as a result of that decision, as a result of that decision then, they faced certain things in the, in their lives as a nation. But if you read, if you look at those verses, Isaiah 54, what are they saying? What are they reminding them of? Can you see the perspective that, that, that God's trying to give them, that the prophet's trying to give them? It's like, yeah, for a moment, but look at all the good for a lifetime. Yeah, right now, but things get better. All right? And he's trying to give them that perspective that you cannot define your life in a moment. You cannot define God in a moment. You cannot define your future based on this second right now. You can't. And to do so is folly. And so he's trying to bring them into a longer view, trying to bring them into a better perspective about how it is God operates and what really matters and keeping things in perspective about what matters today may not be what matters tomorrow. What seems so important right this second may not mean anything in a week or a month or a year. What is vexing you right now may be something you laugh at in the near future. And that happens all the time. And he wants them to remember that. Because, you know, you get into whatever it is, you get into the drama that you're in, well, you're in drama. I mean, is that really going to define your life? I hope not. I think it's just today or tomorrow or this week or whatever it would be. I don't know. But certainly, God's anger is just for a moment. Certainly, sadness is that visitor that comes at night and leaves in the morning. Certainly. And a lifetime of joy and a lifetime of favor is what the reality is. That's real. That is the reality. 
Because, you know, God's nature is to impart life. That's his nature. God's nature is to spare life. God's nature is to give eternal life, even. Life is in God's nature. And so based on who he is, then we have to think about our life and the world that we live in based on his nature, not just our opinion or whatever perspective we choose to take on. His nature, if it does not align with his nature, whatever our perspective is, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And so he's revealed himself through his nature. And he's come that we might have life and that more abundantly. That's in his nature. And so it makes sense in his nature that his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. It makes sense in his nature that sadness is only for the night. It lodges only for the night, then leaves. But we have a whole lifetime of joy. That's what makes sense according to his nature. To rightly regard the portion, the duration of, of how God deals with us is to bring balance into our life. And I go back to the example I gave about the thunderstorm on a sunny day. You have to keep it in perspective if you're going to have balance. There has to be some type of perspective on the duration of things in our life in order to bring balance. Problem is, if things are going well, we don't notice. Problem is, if things are going terribly, we fixate on it. I mean, how many days have gone by that have been awesome? You know, I, I sometimes will judge my day based on car problems. And... And uh, I got a, a number of cars in the household. And so if, uh, if I got a day where a car broke down, oh, bad day. Was that really? Because I've had like, I don't know, 200 days in a row with no breakdowns. If I kept track of it. 200 to 1. Doing pretty good, really. Right? And even if a different one broke down tomorrow, 200 to 2. I'm doing good, all right? Still, all right? Or, or I could look at it just in, in those two days. Oh, nothing ever goes right. Two days in a row, car's breaking down. Ah, the sky is falling. My world is terrible. 202, man. Killing it. Killing it. Not 0 and 2. 202. Killing it. The perspective is important, and, and maintaining that perspective is important, and it leads to balance in our lives. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a quote with you, and I want you to tell me what you think of this quote. It's an anonymous quote. That means we don't know who said it. <laughs> Somebody may know, but I don't know who said it. It's largely true, I think, but that's my comment on it. You ready? Here's the quote. There's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. There's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, right. Right? And he's pretty smart. He could. I didn't know. No, I didn't either. <laughs> but I mean, I've read some of his stuff and I've seen what he produced, and he's pretty smart. Cool. Yeah. Anybody else? Thought on that? Yeah. Right? Right? 
situation. You just sighed heavily yeah. just telling the story. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> Or he could have. Right. Oh, I mean, when's a flat tire a good thing? Well, when it was an opportunity to minister to me, right? Right. Well, when was my opportunity to minister to me? Or a flat tire is a good thing when you get a flat tire and you miss a huge accident that's on the highway because you're coming in later. Yes, I was driving from Florida to New York and I got super drowsy at like 3 in the afternoon. Yep. Right. And it was all the cars that I was driving with. Yep. No doubt my mom was praying for me at that time when the button started Right. So it was a good thing getting drowsy at that point. Right. Right. And and but you don't know that. Oh, it's putting me behind on my Right. Yeah, oh no, I gotta stop. And, you know, so so I mean you think about it statistically. If his favor is a lifetime and the bad stuff is a moment, the chances of whatever's happening in your life, just statistically, whether you're falling asleep, you have a flat tire, whatever it is, the chances of that being God's favor are, are much larger than it being something else. His anger, whatever. So, so statistically, you're always on good ground assuming the best. Even if something seems like it's bad, like it could be judged as bad, you're statistically better off believing that it's his favor because that's a whole lifetime versus a moment. All right? Because a moment has already passed here. Our lifetime is still to come. So you could think of that one in I don't know how many million is anger but everything else is favor, okay? And that's, that's really the perspective the psalmist is trying to give is that, yeah, I mean, you can say it's this or that, that you can make that judgment, all right? Whatever you choose, or don't make any judgment at all, but you need to be careful about any judgment that you're going to make on something going on in your life because you don't know. And really, the chances are of something being really bad or something because of some other issue going on or whatever are so minuscule to make that assumption is just bad logic. It's just bad. It's just, it's just a bad way to go. All right? You can. Yeah, and I, you know, it's like training yourself to do that, right? And then the real key to what I'm trying, yeah, you got to train yourself to do that, though, because we're not trained to do that. We're 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 trained to stay in bad moments. I mean, our whole all our system is is that way. Think about school systems. I mean, what are they praising you all the time because you're doing what you're supposed to do? No, no, they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna get you when you're wrong. And that's going to be a defining moment. The real, the real key to that, though, is that's not the defining moment. 
The defining moments of, of whoever you are are the rest of the time when you're sitting there doing your work quietly. Not the fact that one moment during the day you turn and you start talking to your neighbor and that happened to have been seen by the teacher or whoever and then all of a sudden now you're, you're, you're Dave the Gabber. You know, you're Gabby Dave. All right? But that's not true. That isn't true. You were Gabby Dave for a moment. Your quiet, studious Dave every other time. Right. 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 And, and you know, that well-meaning nun or whoever, they were going to correct you and, and fix you for the rest of your life. problem is they're teaching you a lesson about how to define your life, and it's the wrong lesson. It's the wrong lesson. So, I, and, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to say we shouldn't uh, strive in some ways for excellence in our life. I think that's awesome to do that. I really believe that. I, I really believe in taking time to practice things and to be good at them. I really believe in that. I believe in practicing self-discipline. I believe in that. But none of us are perfect. We're never going to be perfect. And we cannot define ourselves by our imperfections. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was a moment. It's done. It's time to move. It's time to move. You know, a lot of mental illness can be defined by people who can't get out of a moment. A lot of it. And so because people can't seem to get out of a moment, they dwell there and their whole life revolves around that moment that passed a really, really long time ago. It's done. Yeah, it's done. But they can't get it. They can't move out of it. And, and so in modern day, how do we treat that? Well, we just suppress it. That's how it's treated. How we treat everything. Chemical lobotomy. Don't think about it. That's how we treat everything. So uh, the reality is, though, that we have opportunity. We have opportunity to move out of those moments. We do. We can choose to. We can make that choice to move out of those moments and leave them behind. They're gone. We got a whole lifetime of favor. We got a whole lifetime of joy. Why stay in a moment of anger? Why stay in a moment of, of sadness when we have a lifetime of joy? Literally. A lifetime of favor. You, you have to really work to stay in a moment, in a sense. And, and, and I believe God wants to set us free of that. There's, there's good places that God has for us that, that are just the rest of our life. Think about how this fits into the knowledge of good and evil. Because we, you know, the Garden of Eden, this, this is all related to that. Adam and Eve didn't live this way. Because they didn't live in the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't have it. And God told them, he's like, you're going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On that day, you will surely die. And we've been dying slow deaths ever since. And, and, and whatever happens to us, we get stuck in moments, we get stuck in, in little pieces of time. I mean, we're just dying. We're not living. He was, absolutely, he was absolutely telling the truth. You'll surely die. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't function in it. We don't function. We're no good at it. Right. And and we use, it's a weapon that's used against us all the time. It's a weapon we wield against ourselves and, and each other. Right. But I mean, most people, I, I I feel saddest for people who beat themselves with it. It's a weapon they will beat themselves with, and, and they never. It, it doesn't seem like they can ever break out to live any kind of a joyful life. But they will beat themselves with the knowledge of good and evil. 
It's just, oh, yeah, bad. Oh, wrong. Oh, yeah, no, bad. Oh, I did this. Oh, yeah, I'm a terrible person. Oh, man, I don't know. God, forgive me. Oh, thank, thank goodness for God. He keeps forgiving me. Oh, can you forgive me again? I want to get hit by a bus before I ask for forgiveness again. Forgive me, Lord, again. I'm going to get hit by a bus, and I don't want to die. I mean, okay. Is that living? No. No. That's a sad place. That's a really sad place. And I hope you can see that's a really sad place. But there are Christians and generations of Christians that live that way. I can't even tell you how many times somebody tried to argue with me about, uh, and they asked me that question, well, if I was to get hit by a bus, would I still be saved? You know, I mean, seriously, just asking me that question. And I don't know, I can't even tell you, these are, I mean, university students asking me that question and stuff. It's like generation after generation being passed down to people that that's how they think. Wow. No living there. No wonder people are running from the church. No wonder. How you live that way? You don't. There's no life in that. So meaning like, they lied to somebody on the corner across the street. Boom! Right to hell. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there it is, first bus. West Guy Street bus going to take you out, buddy. Especially in this crosswalk. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, that, that's, that's usually how the teaching goes. It's like, yeah, 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 you don't want to do that. There's this, there's that. You're going to you swear on the corner. You're going to get hit by a bus. You're going to hell. You know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, but, of course, there's always grace. And that's how it ends. Yeah, I feel a lot better, buddy. Thanks. And I... And, <laughs> grace. Yeah, Sister Grace is going to come get you with her walker. Um, what's funny about that is you mentioned someone's name there that I'm not going to repeat into the microphone. But I know that person very well. In fact, I live with that guy. And no, 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 he did not live that way at all. I know that. All right. He might have taught that. He might have said that, but he didn't live it because you can't. Because that's just, I, I couldn't imagine the level of depression you'd be in if you, if you lived that way all the time. Couldn't even imagine it. And, and again, it's, it's that whole idea. It's like, what, I'm going to major on what? The moment? Or I'm going to major on the lifetime? I want to major on the lifetime. And the knowledge of good and evil, you think about it, it's like God's like, you got every tree in the garden, eat of it. You live forever. You can eat of the tree of life. Live forever, man. Everything you ever need is provided for you. This is perfect. They never had to, to, to wear, like, heavy winter coats or anything. I mean, it was just climate controlled. Everything was great. It was the garden, man. All right? 72 All the time. All right? But look at, but, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They majored on the little thing. What was the little thing? Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what tree do they want to eat of? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. So they ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. They're, all right. So oh, I have the knowledge of good and evil. Don't know how to wield it. Don't know how to use it. Don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what happened? What happened? Why am I naked? Why are you naked? Why am I naked? Here's a good idea. We'll take some leaves and sew them together. What? Wow, whatever. Anyway, you think about what happened afterwards and, and just the spiral that happened after that. It, it's just shocking. We're not equipped for it. We're not made for it. We're not good at it. We're no good at it. Why do it? Why? Why? Why insist? Why insist on it? 
And we keep doing it, and it never works, and it's never good for us, and it never does anything good in our lives, and it never creates anything good for us. Nothing, nothing, nothing good ever happens from it, yet we, we insist on it. Yeah. God has better for us. He has a lifetime, lifetime of favor for us. You know, the real thing is, is there's a lifetime of favor a whole lifetime of favor, but there might be a moment where it doesn't go your way. You know, that, that God's angry. So you got like a million to one chance. It's going to be favor all the time. I like it. You know what? There may be times that you're sad, but, but joy comes to live with you. Sad just visits. We don't even like sad. You know, he wears all black, he just shows up at night, and then he leaves in the morning. We don't like him. But you know who lives there? Joy. I like joy. Let's major on the joy. Let's not worry about sadness coming to visit every now and then. All right? Because he's going to come to visit every now and then. He passes through town, but joy's there all the time. Let's hang out with joy. Even when sadness comes, let's not leave joy Let's still hang out with some joy, but, I mean, sadness is there, okay, but joy is there all the time, and let's remember that. And if you're following what I'm saying, what I'm really suggesting here is there's got to be a switch. There's got to be a shift in our perspective to bring balance into our life. Just got to. There's just got to be that kind of shift where we leave the moment and we live in the lifetime where the visitor that comes for the the night let him go because there's joy that is right there in the morning for you and joy lives there all the time the sand is sitting there every night he's just not in fact he's described as coming and going he's gone he comes he's gone you can expect that and you need to know that, and you need to live in that, because joy is there. How long is the night? A few hours? Yeah. Joy. Joy is waiting. Joy is waiting. All right. Any questions or comments? All right. Let's pray. I just want to pray for us tonight that, that God would just really fill us. Uh, with with an understanding. And that's really what I'm going to ask him for, is for an understanding and a perspective, a shift in the way that we're thinking. Heavenly Father, thanks for the joy you bring and, and thanks for the favor that you give us. Yeah, we just want to say thanks for that. We thank you for just the, that perpetual favor that's ours, that the perpetuity of, of what that means to to live in your favor. It's all the time. And so I just want to say thanks for that. And I say thanks that it, what's described in the psalm here is your anger. It's only for a moment. Just a brief, short, small part of the, the wholeness of our lives. So God, I pray that you would shift our perspective away from what's so brief and short and little to a whole lifetime of favor. A whole lifetime. And so God, I pray that as we come across things in our life that would be tempted to try to define as bad or good or whatever, I pray, Father, that we just see our life as favor. And that you'd shift our perspective as to what that really means. That today is today and, and it's part of your favor. And tomorrow and the next day and the days that have passed that this is our life. It's a lifetime of your favor. And I pray, Father, that we can redefine ourselves in the midst of that favor instead of letting moments try to define us or letting moments try to tell us who we are or who we're going to be. But I pray a whole lifetime of favor would really tell us who we really are and who we're really going to be. God, I pray for us as we face sadness in our lives. And sadness comes. 
He's a visitor that comes sometimes, but he's only there for the night. God, I pray that our perspective would shift to the joy that's a lifetime of joy. I pray it would shift to the joy that comes and dwells with us all the time, that joy that, God, you continue to pour out and you continue to give. I pray our perspective would shift, our focus would shift. God, our eyesight would shift to that joy that's so much more abundant than any sadness in our life could ever be. And I pray, God, that we find rest in your joy and and that we would see ourselves in that joy, we'd see our future in that joy, we'd see, God, even our past in that joy. Because that's our lifetime. That's who you are. That's the visitor that you've had come and dwell with us is joy. Not sadness, joy. And so when sadness comes, I, I pray for a good perspective on how short that is compared to a lifetime of your joy. When sadness comes, be able to, to walk through whatever needs to be walked through. But in the morning, even if it was exhausting through the night, we know in the morning, who's there? Joy's there. A lifetime of joy. And so God, I, I thank you for giving us this life that we have. Thank you for that you are life-giving, that you're life-preserving, that that you're all about eternal life in us. That's your nature, and I thank you that you've given us a life to live that reflects that. God, I specifically pray for those that struggle with leaving behind moments. I pray you'd set them free in their mind in Jesus' name. I speak a word of freedom tonight over people's minds in the name of Jesus that there would be release in Jesus' name. Release from the moment. Release from that second, that moment, that, that time. I pray release in the name of Jesus and entering in to favor in their minds tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we rejoice in you, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 Thanks for coming, everybody. Good to see you. Good to be back. And we'll see you again soon. Amen. <laughs>